0: We're all together now, for better or worse.
1: My name is Merrill Zubro, CEO of Mark Research. I'm a 35 year veteran of the research and insights community and the host of our podcast On The Mark. On The Mark is focusing on executives and thought leaders in the world sharing their insights, strategies and personal experiences. I promise this podcast will be filled with tough, Pointed questions with real insightful and emotional answers. Today's guest is Lisa Gooden, my good friend, Executive Vice President at Ipsos. Lisa, welcome to the On The Mark podcast.
0: Wow, well, thank you very much, Merrill.
1: All right. Let's start with your career a little bit. You're at Ipsos. Tell me a little bit about your job as it stands today and what you've been doing with Ipsos in the last year or so.
0: Yes. So I'm part of the client organization and Ipsos a couple of years ago moved from really what was, would almost say a siloed organization in terms of specialty areas. You know, the good news is we had boutiques that were focused on particular topics, but what we were missing was sort of that link for clients across all of those Um, specialty areas. And so we built a client organization, which really means that for clients, they can come to a single person and access everything associated with our many different specialty areas around the globe. And so again, I'm a, a, a participant of the client organization, a senior client officer, as well as executive vice president. And I focus on a handful of um, our large partners, as well as building relationships with new partners in, in particular
1: industries. That's great. Is there any particular industries that you focus on?
0: Um, it kind of varies from from year to year, but I certainly have some strong CPG relationships and retail. Um, FinTech is an area of focus for me this year, so those are those are the places where I've been paying a lot of attention most recently.
1: That's great. So I mean, when I look at your career, I mean, you know, you I'm not sure anybody who's worked for three bigger, better, more prestigious suppliers, right? I mean, you obviously were at CRI, a Baldridge winner, GFK for many, many years, and now Ipsos. I mean, three three mainstay suppliers in the insights community. Did you always want to be on the supplier side? I mean, did you, you know, you never had that itch to go to the client side?
0: Well, I have to say, Meryl, that there wasn't I, – I, I so respect those, for example, that both you and I have interacted with at, um, within the Madison program or the Georgia program that really have a vision in terms of where their careers going and that, that have insights as, as kind of the theme. I, I can't say that I was in that same arena. I sort of slipped into it because I knew how to program, and my first job was as a programmer back at CRI. And what, what just dazzled me about CRI, because I had been in the – He had a very low entry level in the defense industry prior to that, which even now, I'm sure, but especially then was very dominated by men. And so coming to CRI, I saw women in leadership positions, women, you know, just as dominant in terms of making decisions. And in fact, the company was owned by a man and a woman um, partnership, Jeff Pope and Judy Corson. And so that to me as a young woman was very inspirational. And then as I went further, I, I really realized that Insights was amazing to be able to understand kind of the motivations and predict the future in terms of what's happening and what will best serve consumers and, and B2B customers was was fun. And then, then as I went further and looked at those in the organization that seemed like they were having the most fun, it seemed like it was those that were interacting directly with clients versus the more technical type roles for me. So, I gravitated real early uh, to that side of the spectrum. But no, I can't say that there was a, a plan. In terms of client side versus supplier side, First, I, th- I believe that there's a benefit for nearly everyone in spending some time on the supplier side. You learn the ins and outs and have a different view on what Insights is in general, I, I think. But you also, on the supplier side, at least in the types of roles I was in, I think can become a bit addicted to variety. I mean, you know this as well, if not better than I do, that being able to take learnings from you know the CPG industry and apply them to financial services or telecom or tech, um is fun and, and relevant just with, you know, adjustments in the ways that are needed. And so to then think about going to focus simply on, you know, potato chips research for a year or two didn't have the appeal to me that staying on the supplier side had. So no, I was never particularly tempted by the client side.
1: That's great. You know, there's so many takeaways there because um, I, my belief is that it's easier to start in the supplier side and then move to the client side rather than vice versa. Do you agree with that? I
0: couldn't agree more. Wow. I really think that the best clients have spent time on the supplier side as well. So again, I think part of the problem can be that when you're just out of school, whether it's with a bachelor's degree or MBA like at Madison, for example, I don't think that initially the supplier side is as likely to pay as much as the client side for that first job. right? And so I think many are tempted by that, as well as the kind of marquee association associated with the brands um, on the client side. But I do also think that if you look a few years down the road, that that salary discrepancy evens out and sometimes even flips over. And so... I think there's very little reason, other than you know maybe ten thousand dollars starting salary difference, to uh, exclude the supplier side from your career path.
1: Yeah, I think you know it's interesting because I I think that you will, and I mentor a lot of kids, and I'm I'm on the Michigan State MSMR board, and will chair the um, chair the board starting in January, mm. and I mentor a lot of kids, and I actually have a session with three of them on on Friday. And I always say, don't take your first job based on dollars, because if you do, you're definitely going to go to the client side. I think they will pay eight dollars to $10,000 more. And I also believe, Lisa, that you know the sign-on bonus might be a little bit better. The benefits might be a little bit better. you know, There's not a lot of companies that can offer stock options or even have an employee stock option plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I do think that they should base it on who their boss is, and somebody who is going to take interest in their career and show them the way. Because just say they, they went to an MSMR program doesn't mean they're going to be – they know everything and how to do it. I mean it takes a while for people to come into your enterprise or my enterprise or even a client organization to really make a difference. So I, I could not agree with you more, and I think that they do play catch-up, and I think certain jobs and suppliers probably do outpay – you know, clients down the road, which is which is very very interesting.
0: I just want to chime in there on yep, on sure. your comment regarding you know who is your leader. Right. That that the importance of that can't be understated because you can go into a position and do an equally great job, and in one scenario, you're working for a manager or a leader that is interested in your career path, that's willing to be your advocate when you do good things, that's basically advertising you internally and helping build your brand versus another manager who maybe doesn't take the time for that, or maybe that isn't their personality style. And one is going to set you up for a trajectory that's very different than the other, even though the work you're doing might be just the same. So I think people aren't always as, as attentive to really the traits associated with the manager that they're choosing to work for. Um, and especially earlier in your career, that's so important because they're, they're putting the groundwork and, and like I said, helping to start your brand building at that very moment.
1: I could not agree with you more. And when I look at my career, I've had seven jobs, probably had about 25 bosses. And if, I, if you would ask me and you and I were having a cocktail and, and a, having a discussion about the industry and said, hey, Merrill, I'm just curious, how many really, really good, great bosses did you have? I think I get to five. I think I get to 20%. So if I ask you, and I don't mention names, don't mention names, or don't even give me initials, (laughs) how many bosses have you had in your career? And how many would you consider to be really, really good, effective, great leaders?
0: I mean, I think my percentage would be similar to yours. And in those cases where I have had a manager that maybe wasn't the top tier, there have been times that there's been someone above them that was top tier that I was able to connect with. So there's ways that if you find yourself in a situation or maybe your manager isn't really going to help you get along, that you can artfully build relationships with with people that will mentor you and, and, and help you in other ways. But, you know, another thing that this makes me think about having come from GFK to Ipsos is the culture of a company, right? Coming from a, a German company to a French company, I hadn't really given much yep. thought to, you know, the roots of a company and how much it impacts its culture. But boy, I'm telling you, the the difference is shocking. I mean, I think that that some of the stereotypes for better or worse are true. The German company um, was very product focused. And, and, you know, you think about engineering, fine engineering coming from Germany, I would agree that that's true. I wouldn't say that I felt anywhere near the heart and passion that I feel working for a French company, where there's a lot more room for improvisation, a lot more recognition of the importance of relationships and neither company is disregarding the traits of the other but just in terms of what pops through as as most important it's it's quite astounding and so that that culture that you're you're going into whether it's associated with a you know ge- geography as i mentioned or just the people that are are running and perhaps started the company makes all the difference as well
1: yeah no that's a very interesting perspective so about 2 minutes ago you said um Personal brand, which I think is very interesting. So, I'm going to allow you pick a number five, six, or seven. Five. Great. Give me five words that describe your personal brand.
0: Okay, these are are uh, obviously biased by what I would like to think about myself. Perfect. <laughs> you, would to, you would have to go <laughs> yeah. quantify. Absolutely. If these Absolutely. are true. Absolutely. But what I'd yeah. like to think about myself is generous. Yeah. Helpful. Okay. Smart. Okay. Thoughtful.
1: Okay. Absolutely. Yep. And future focused. Perfect. Okay. What would you All say right. are your five? Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with competitive. I will go with passionate. I will go with, uh, nobody's really asked me that. I'm going to go with thought provoking. I'm not sure if that's one or two words, but we'll count it as one. I'm gonna go with energetic, and I will go with helpful. I, I wanted to say be a resource, but that's three words. So I'll say helpful, which is really to me be a resource. So I'm gonna go with that. you know it's it's interesting because I didn't know how important a personal brand is for a lot of my career. and it's interesting. One of my good buddies, um, Ryan Barry. From Zappy, we talk about that now all the time, and he's done a really good job on his personal brand. In your opinion, did you know that early on in your career about you know Lisa's personal brand, and how how important do you think that is today?
0: I think it's incredibly important, especially if you're going to be in a like I said, industry facing or client facing type role. Maybe it's I, I still believe it's important if you're on a technical in a technical role, maybe just on a smaller scale, but Hey, it's a small industry, right? Everyone knows everyone at a certain point or knows someone who knows the other person. And so you want your brand to be seen not just as really solid and good, but you want to be seen as a, as a connector, as someone that's going to, w- without self-serving purposes, um, you know, help others in the industry. And, and in doing so, you are being self-serving, even if not intentionally, because we all want to help each other. We build positive momentum. You're, you're a pro at this, um, and, and I think a lot of us strive to be in terms of really making our brand have positive momentum and helping those around us that we see are kind of also deserving of that, helping build their brands as well. I mean, it helps us as an industry. It helps us as individuals. It helps us just feel good about what we spend so much time doing every day. So, very important. Again, I can't say that, you know, in the very beginning, I, I used that terminology when I thought about myself, but sure, I always, I mean, the culture at CRI was uh, to, at the very least, meet and, and in every case, attempt to exceed expectations, right? So that's oh, yeah. been something I've always tried to do in every interaction with anyone. Um, and if you do great things and aren't worried about, you know, every penny associated with an effort or whether you're going to get, you know, something in return right away, it pays off big time in the overall trajectory of your, your career.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's some good, some good insight there for sure. So obviously you work for one of the largest suppliers in the world. You have a client facing role at very executive level. You know, obviously COVID-19, we're in the middle of it. Um, I wish I could sit here and tell you it's going to be over. We're going to be past this in 10 days, 20 days, 50 days. I don't know what the answer is, but what are your clients telling you about COVID-19?
0: Yeah. So I think that there's a framework that, that we're all sort of going through. And if we at Ipsos, you know, we have a large presence in many countries around the world. So, for example, we're looking at what happened in China. Knowing every culture is different, but that we're still all people, right? People are people. And I think that both from a personal standpoint and a business standpoint, you can almost think about the, you know, uh, the, the path associated with mourning, right? It starts with disbelief. We're all sort of not Believing that this is going to impact us in the way that it could, then we sort of have to shift to, um, you know, preparing for whatever's going to happen next, adjusting as that becomes reality, acclimating um, as things shift, figuring out how to endure, um, you know, the continued restrictions, et cetera, and then working on anticipating what's going to happen next. And and no one knows, as you pointed out, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what the long-term impact is going to be for us or our clients, but what we can do is predict various outcomes and plan for those various outcomes and be thoughtful about which stage we're in right now and how we should, you know, respond within that stage uh, to make sure that we're Back to the personal brand, it works for client brands too. Being helpful, not being self-serving, not capitalizing on a painful moment, but really making a difference moving forward, thats that same theme holds true regardless of the type of brand you're talking about.
1: No, I think that's good. I mean, listen, you and I both lived through 9-11, which, I, which is amazing, Lisa, because when you think about it, it's, tw- it's almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, we lived through the, the crash of 2008 um, and now COVID-19. How do you think it compares? I mean, is this the hardest
0: by far? I think so at the very least because it's global, right? It's, I mean, unprecedented in terms of the entire globe is kind of jointly battling the same enemy. And in all of these other cases, it was pockets we're all together now for better or worse and you know if what that's going to do economically is i think you know going to be more profound than anything we've seen certainly in our lifetimes and how we recover with technology and again with this notion of we're all in the same boat might be really grand i mean we know that adversity stimulates innovation there could be some really positive outcomes of all of this that might be hard to see at this moment, but in terms of um, how we recover is, is even stronger in all sorts of ways.
1: Yeah, I, I really believe there's actually, we are going to be stronger um, down the road. I think that is hard to see. I mean, I love quoting, you know, Winston, Sir Winston Churchill, who said, never let a good crisis pass by. And I, you know, I did a test and I've told the story a few times. I did a test about seven months ago when I was in Florida in Boca Raton visiting my mom. And I held the door open for 10 people. And unfortunately, only three people said thank you to me. I think because this is global, because we're all in this together, we're all struggling. This can and will affect everyone. I think we'll all have much more empathy for each other and fellow man, right? I also think because my enterprise, your enterprise, every company is looking at every expenditure And really cutting out the stuff that is not as useful, that probably shouldn't have been an expense. And I also believe we're all looking and searching and creating more efficiencies. And I also believe that it's forcing a lot of companies to go much more digital and, um, even though they probably should have done that a few years ago, this is going to force all of them to do that. So I actually believe down the road, and it's hard to think about that, we are going to be in a better position, and the companies will be much better and stronger, no question. Well, and I'd
0: like to chime in with my own Winston Churchill quote that I just sure. heard
1: someone say the oh, other day. Look at you! Look at you. No, look no, at no! You. Someone, I'm okay. just—I
0: can't remember. I would give credit to whoever said it, but I don't recall. But it was just earlier this week. Someone <laughs> said that that, and this was attributed to him. I'd have to verify that he actually said it, but that when you're going through hell, keep going. Um, and and we don't right. want to pause. We don't want to freeze right now. And I think that's a really important thing for all of us on the supplier side and the client side this is not a moment to just wait and see, right? This is a moment to keep going. To You can't wait till things get back to, quote, normal, because normal is different in the future than it was pre-COVID. And so we need to keep moving forward. We need to keep doing work to understand what's happening.
1: Lisa, thanks for spending some time with me today. You have been listening to Lisa Gooding. This is the On The Mark podcast. My name is Meryl Dubrow. Have a great day.